0: Right, so, yes, we've got the title there, Press Into Promise. That's what I'm talking about today. And that started with a talk that I heard at the Vineyard National Gathering, which happened recently. Peter Downs gave a talk on welcoming the promises of God. Was anybody here at the conference? Just raise a hand. Right, so I can't preach the same sermon as he preached. (laughs) Too many of you here. It was really good, and I would encourage you to listen to it because there were some really specific promises for our movement, the Vineyard Movement, that he talked about. One of the things that struck me about what he said, though, was with each set of promises that he talked about, which were promises for us as individuals, promises for us as a church in ministry, and then promises for the Vineyard Movement... There was a following statement of what we need to do to press into those promises to actually see that they come to be. And there was a lot of table talk around that as well in our discussion about that talk um, the following day at the conference. He used a passage from the Bible from 2 Peter chapter 1, which starts like this. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life." That's my main point today. So if you don't go away with anything else, go away with that, is that His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. So let's look into that passage a little bit more. We're going to read that now, not the whole of the chapter, but just a section, and then we'll flesh that out. What does it look like? if his divine power has given us everything? How does that work out in our lives? So, if we could get... Yeah, there we go. Great. So, by his divine power... This is from the New Living Translation. God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvellous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of, brace yourselves, Moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with patient endurance and patient endurance with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for everyone. Bit of a daunting list perhaps, but there you have it. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. So, dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. Do these things and you will never fall away. Then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Recently, we went through a bit of what I would call a dry time in the ministry called Healing on the Streets. So for those of you who aren't familiar with that, we go out and we just pray for the general public at large as God leads us. When I say a dry time, it means we were praying for people, but really just Nice little prayers of blessing, that God would bless them, and, um, you know, everybody seemed to be fine otherwise. There was nothing really to dig into, nothing that they didn't open up to us. Occasionally we would pray for healing, but no healing would happen. So it really started to cause me to have a little bit of fear and doubt rise up because I love HOTS. That's what it's called for short. I love the fact that we go out there usually, our typical experience is we go out there and we have power encounters because Jesus is with us. So we, in the space of, if you think of in the space of about 30 seconds that we have to say to someone, hi, we just love to pray for people, can we bless you? In that time, somehow Jesus opens up. He gives us keys to open up things in people's lives, to pray for, to bless them with, to change their perspectives on who God is. He allows us to, to kind of go into the, the depths of people's lives, their doubts about God, their, their um, untrue beliefs about God, and to kind of change perceptions and shift their paradigms as we pray for them. And when we pray for people and we see healing on the spot, which has happened countless times, It's just so encouraging, and that, to me, is what makes me feel most alive because I know that I can't fabricate that stuff. I can't manufacture healing. I can't make someone open up to me and have their lives transformed. That's what Jesus does. So when we do that, it's evidence to me that Jesus the Savior of the world, is standing next to me in that moment, and he is with me, and he is changing the world through me. And that excites me, and that makes me feel really alive. So when we got to this dry time, the question started coming up as to, where are you, Jesus? I've always seen the evidence of you in this, but now where are you? And so there's the doubts of, have you abandoned me? Have you you left? Am I not good enough anymore? What's going on here? Because actually I feel a little bit lost here. When we start questioning the goodness of God, then it makes it a lot harder to come and talk to him. And so that's exactly what happened with me. My conversation with Jesus just grew quieter and quieter, Because in the back of my head was running around, Jesus just abandoned us. The fact is, though, that Jesus was aware of that and he continued to call me back to him. And so through the weeks, I kept getting this message come to me in all ways, shapes, and forms go back to Jesus. Go back to Jesus. Go back to Jesus. That's where we start when we're dealing with doubt and fear and worries. At the conference, um, I had the opportunity to make a concerted effort to to sit down and spend some quality time with Jesus. So I did. I decided that that was what I was going to do, because he was very clearly getting that message to me. So... Actually, I didn't sit down and spend time with him. I went for a run. And my run, well, just to be fair, it was a run-walk. I don't really... I'm not one of those endurance athletes, you know, but nice little run on the promenade. And the day that I went for the run, it was actually a pretty overcast day. And I was running along the promenade and looking out at the sea, and it was a bit of a stormy sea, lots of white horses, and it was grey, and... I was thinking, oh, I just love a stormy sea, you know, I just love it. And in fact, when we're when we're running into the wind, you know, like it was harder to run because there was wind and I was being buffeted and I could, but I could feel, I could feel so much more of the storm, you know, I could feel it in my hair and on my skin, and I could. I could feel my muscles pushing that little bit harder into the wind. And I, I kind of I was just chatting to Jesus about it. And I was just like, oh, you know, Jesus, I love a stormy sea. And as we were going, I kind of said, I really just, I just enjoy the resistance of pushing against it just because I can. And you know, it makes me feel so much more alive than just running on a still sunny day. Boom. <laughs> Do you see what Jesus was saying? <laughs> right there, he said. He said to me, that's exactly what I'm letting you do at HOTS. Pushing against that spiritual resistance just because you can and letting it make you feel that much more alive in me. Do you know that pushing against that spiritual resistance sometimes takes a bit of endurance, a bit of patience, but that that is something that Peter says in that passage, that we should add to our faith. So, yes, he says, God has given us everything we need for a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself. Where's the resistance in your life? Because we all have spiritual resistance. It's part of the world we live in. Is it maybe, is it fear that is your, your resistance? Is it perhaps having difficulty really believing that doubt or that unbelief? Is it the picture that you have in your head of what you would look like if you really followed Jesus? Maybe it's some kind of stumbling block, some kind of sin, like maybe it's something addictive, maybe not, but it just keeps coming back like an annoying mosquito. Or maybe it's tough circumstances that, that's causing you that that difficulty just enduring. Maybe it's, you know, a tough family member or an unreasonable boss. We all have them. Listen to what Jesus is saying to you about that. When Peter writes this passage, he is aware that there's a very real danger that these things that resist us can lead to our spiritual deadness. And in these words that Peter's giving us, he's actually talking about what will give us spiritual life. That persevering through resistance, do you know that that makes us become more like Jesus? When we push against resistance, into that promise that his divine power has given me everything that I need to do this, then we are being enabled to share in more of what Jesus did. Do you want to be more like Jesus? Then keep moving forward until there is breakthrough. Because he has promised us that there is hope of breakthrough, that his goodness will break through. And he's actually giving us an opportunity through that resistance to flex our muscles and brace ourselves, and push through, and experience triumph. I think it's really interesting that Peter writes these words. If you look at Peter as a person, I'm going to take a little bit of a closer look at who the man is that's actually writing this stuff that we should press in, that we we have everything we need because it's really telling. It's quite remarkable, actually, that he's writing these words if you know a little bit about the life that he actually lived. So let's do a few snapshots here. The first one is from Matthew 16, and this was where Jesus gave Peter his spiritual identity. And a a conversation with Jesus went something like this. Peter, who do you say I am? This is Jesus saying this to Peter. And Peter says, well, you are the Messiah. And Jesus immediately blesses that, and he says, Peter, that is a blessed thing that you know that, because that wasn't just you that knew that. It means you've had revelation from the Father. And you know what? On that revelation, I'm going to build my church. You, Peter, you are going to be a church builder. And that church, nothing's going to overcome it. So Peter got a little bit of who he was in that conversation. And what Jesus further said to him was, and I'm going to give you the keys to my kingdom. Let's look at what Peter writes way back afterwards. Peter is telling us in 2 Peter, the the book 2 Peter, about the keys to the kingdom. First he's telling us, well, the first key is that Jesus has given us a really great gift here that we need to take and the second key is our response to that and a little bit further on in, down the passage he actually says and you can kind of hear the earnestness in his words he says I'm, I'm not just telling you clever stories I know this because I have seen the glory of God. And so because I have seen that, I'm even more confident that the things that he talked about are true. The promises that he gave, this is real. I know I experienced it. And so he goes, well, if we look at what he's talking about in that experience, it's actually a time when he, James and John, went with Jesus up a hill. And they didn't realize this was coming, but... Um, we could have the next slide there what we had was before their very eyes Jesus changed from his earthly body he transformed into the being that he really is, his true glorious self Peter writes there about the marvellous glory and excellence there was so much light coming from Jesus that they couldn't actually even look at him But what they were getting was a glimpse of the future age, a glimpse of the power and the glory of Jesus as it will be in the age to come, but also as it is now. And they heard the voice of God saying, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. Peter talks about godliness as something that we need to add to our faith, and another translation of this passage talks about godliness as reverent wonder. I really like that because I think that's really what we need to come back to in terms of growing in our faith, is keep coming back to that place of being in wonder at the glory of Jesus. Let's skip forward a few moments, a few stages in Peter's life now. So... Um, to the point where Peter's had his identity confirmed, he's going to be a church builder, he's seen the glory of Jesus, and then he hits the lowest of lows in his life. At the time when Jesus is in the most agony, is most in need of a friend, perhaps you could say, Peter denies him three times. Jesus is being arrested and crucified, and, and Peter gets asked by three different people, Aren't you with him? But out of fear for his own life, Peter says, Oh, no, I never knew him. Nothing to do with him. And so he, at that time, when he swore he would never leave Jesus' side, he completely abandoned him at Jesus' time of need. What about all those promises? You can just imagine how Peter felt at that time. I mean, church builder, schmirch builder. He couldn't even get it right to say, yeah, I know Jesus. How is he, he going to be a leader of the church? Have you ever been there? Look at me. How could I possibly? What is Jesus saying to you? By his divine power. God has given us everything we need for for living a godly life. Oh, I can feel this. There are people in the room that need to hear this. Yes, you can possibly. Yes, you can possibly. We have received by the one who called us by his glory and excellence. That's how. And you notice that we have everything we need because he started it. He gives, we receive. There's no discrimination as to who receives. It doesn't matter who you are. He's he's not given any criteria here. The promises are for everyone who receives, who takes. The enabling is for everyone who takes. Lowest of low. Let's fast forward a few stages. So we are now going to fast forward to where Jesus has been resurrected. That earth-shattering, history-changing event has happened. And Peter has met with Jesus again. And he's aware that, okay, All is not lost, but the elephant is still in the room because Peter still betrayed Jesus and Jesus hasn't talked to him about that yet. So what does Peter do? Well, Peter goes fishing with some mates. (laughs) And so there he is in his boat, a little way off the shore, trying to catch fish but nothing's biting. Somebody on the beach, kind of, that Peter can't exactly recognize, says, Oi, you catching anything? And Peter says, no, nothing today. He says, throw your nets on the other side of the boat. So Peter throws his nets on the other side of the boat. And suddenly they are inundated with fish, so much fish that they absolutely cannot physically haul the fish back into the boat. And it dawns on Peter. Peter why is that so so familiar because that was exactly what happened when jesus first called peter to be a disciple and he said come i'm gonna make you a fisher of men and jesus and peter recognizes the significance of that moment and the significance of that calling and what does he do He can't wait for the boat to get to the shore, so he jumps out of the boat and he runs through the water to the beach. Jesus! (laughs) He recognises he's been called again. And Jesus, true to form, is not just waiting on the beach. He's serving He said, Hey, the fire's ready. How about some of that fish you caught? Let's have breakfast. And so they have breakfast together. Then a little later, Jesus pulls Peter aside. And you kind of think, okay, here it's coming. How's about that betrayal, Peter? But you know what, what Jesus says? He says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, Yes, Lord, you know I do. Three times, Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? Three times, Peter says, yes, Lord, you know that I do. Three times, Jesus answers him, feed my lambs. Three times, Peter messed up and denied Jesus. Jesus gave him the opportunity Three times to make that right again. No criticism, no condemning. Let's just move on, Jesus is saying. And what Jesus is doing here is he's saying, Peter, I'm giving you that church building calling back. I promised you that you would be a church builder. Now build my church, feed my lambs. And that was part of a much greater purpose that Jesus had. Where we come into the picture, here we are, sitting in church, that has not been overcome. Peter writes in 2 Peter 1, and this means so much more when you know the man Peter. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Peter's urging us to respond, perhaps because he realized he had a choice at that time when Jesus called him and reinstated him again as a church builder, he could have still, after that, felt like he was unworthy because, yes, there's the promise, but look what I've done. He could have stayed in that place of regret of, well, you see, I just don't see how, look at me, how could I do that? But he didn't. He decided to push into that promise you were going to be a church builder. So, as we track. God's, uh, tr- as we track Peter's life, we actually see what happened to him after he said, yes, okay, God has called me back. Well, he decided to press in. And what we see is that Jesus did actually genuinely transform him. And, he, and Peter allowed Jesus to change him. We see a man who, who asked once upon a time, Jesus, who will be the greatest in the kingdom? Kind of eyeing it out for himself and later on we see him in fact at the beginning of 2 Peter we see him writing about himself as Peter a slave to Jesus Christ. We see a man who when Jesus said hey I'm going to go through some suffering Peter said no way not while I'm around and we see Peter later on writing about the glory of sharing in Christ's suffering. We see a man even after Jesus was resurrected and, and basically Peter was building the church, he was living out the promise, he was still thinking that actually the Jews were a little bit more special than the non-Jews. And so actually there's this little situation which I find quite amusing where Paul, another apostle of Jesus, comes into Antioch and he sees Peter eating with all the Jewish people and he sees all the non-Jewish people eating together and he says, Peter! What are you doing? Because Peter was getting swept up into this thing of, like, well, you know, it is unclean still to eat with non-Jews, even though we're Christians and they don't need to be circumcised and da 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 You know, but actually, you know what, there's still these little ways that we'll slip into. But anyway, so they had a little bit of a conflict there. But Peter Peter was the one that moved to say, hey, this gospel is for everyone. It's not just for the Jews. And Even a little later in in the book of 2 Peter, we see he actually refers to Paul. So this is obviously some time has gone by, and he says, Oh, yeah, that Paul, um, yeah, sometimes his words are a little bit difficult to understand, but he writes with wisdom. And so we see that he has also learned to love his brothers and sisters. He's been adding to his basic faith all along. So if we could have the next slide, please. And the next few points, thanks. So that same man who went through all of that, who has been transformed, who was transformed, is the one who urges us to respond to the grace and the promise of Jesus. And I think that's because he knows that we are vulnerable to losing the plot and losing our way in following Jesus. and, And so another thing that he says to add to is to add spiritual understanding to our faith. You know, the enemy that, that is in this world is a master of lies, and, it's, and often they are really persuasive lies. And so we really need to know what truth is so that we're not swayed off the track. I mean, I saw that in my HOTS experience just recently because what I was choosing to believe about Jesus showed a bit of a lack of spiritual understanding because what I was saying is Jesus has abandoned me, but the truth is that Jesus has said I will never leave you and I will never forsake you where did that come from then that I was choosing to believe oh well he's just forgotten us those lies they're all around us all the time and we really need to ground ourselves in what is truth and, and get spiritual understanding of biblical concepts so that we are not easily swayed off the track because it is really easy to sway off the track. One of the things that I did when I decided to go back to Jesus to talk about all this stuff was to, to sing a worship song. I sang a few worship songs, but there was one worship song that really undid me. It's a song called All From You. And the words are this. Whatever is true, whatever is right. Whatever is pure, whatever is life whatever is beauty, whatever is wonder, whatever is wisdom, whatever is love, it's all from you. You are higher, you are glorious. Whatever is joy, whatever is peace, whatever is hope, whatever is justice, whatever is compassion, whatever is freedom, it's all from you. You are higher, you are glorious abandoning, condemning, judging, these are not Jesus. And the reason that we don't always see powerful encounters at HOTS is because there is an enemy at work. Jesus doesn't always get his way in this world that we live in right now. And we need to gain that spiritual understanding if we're going to be effective disciples of Jesus. We need to get to know what truth is and know it well. And we need to get to know what these great and precious promises are that Jesus has given us, that Peter's talking about. What he is talking about, I believe, is the many prophecies that were fulfilled when Jesus came as the Messiah. So hundreds of years, hundreds of prophecies, they all came into fruition with Jesus. And when Jesus came, he fulfilled them all, but then he brought in a new covenant and he brought in new promises. And that was that the kingdom of heaven is at hand and you get to play. I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom. He said that to Peter. But later on, he said that to all his disciples. He said, I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom. And whatever you forbid on earth, it will be forbidden in heaven. Whatever you permit on earth, it will be permitted in heaven. Some pretty powerful things. And probably another whole sermon on that one. (laughs) But we get to play. Right now, we are in this funny in-between age. The Messiah has come. The kingdom has come because Jesus has died and has conquered death, which is the ultimate weapon that Satan has against us. That's conquered. That's done. But there is also that day, which is often referred to in the Bible, that day that is coming when the kingdom is going to come in its fullness, when the kingdom will reign. So when God will reign unopposed, when there will be no kingdom of darkness attacking us at every possible corner that that it can. And I kind of see that as we are moving in the kingdom, this earth is actually tired of being ruled by the kingdom of darkness. This earth is so groaning. And I see this when I go out in hot... I just see people so badly need what Jesus has to give, but they don't know it and they don't recognize it in any way, but that's another story. But this earth is groaning to be all that God wants it to be in the new kingdom that he's planning for us, which we could call heaven. But it's like, to me, I had this picture of the earth kind of There's little cracks in the old earth that's dying at the moment. And there's little cracks where the kingdom light is just shining through all the time. And and the enemy tries to cover it up, but every time he covers up one crack, there will be another crack where light shines through. And every time we choose to move with the kingdom, to move with Jesus, he shows us where those cracks of light are and he lets us follow them. And so that we can walk and move in the light and we can bring life where this earth is dying. And every time somebody comes to know Jesus and comes to follow him and press into his promises, someone new is filled with light and someone new brings light onto this earth. The enemy can try things like we see in our world at the moment, beheading and torturing and crucifying the people of Jesus. But ultimately, he cannot win because Jesus has already conquered death. If we die in this world, we do not die. We go to live in the kingdom of glory with the king of glory. That is the promise that we have. And so Peter urges us to respond. Stay on track. Stay on track by doing the things that give you spiritual life. And do them now. That's way we'll be effective people in this kingdom. And he ends with this interesting thing about, about what will happen. If we do this, then we will walk into the kingdom um, and it will be a very happy welcome for us. But I, I was thinking about that a little bit more and I think really, I think it's like this. Some of us are saved and, and when that day comes and we... we see the fullness of God come, the kingdom comes, Jesus comes, and we see God reigning supremely, we see no more tears, we see the earth as it was always destined to be. And if we didn't kind of press into those things of spiritual life, we'll go, oh, this is the spiritual fullness that Jesus was talking about all the time. I think it will be a a pretty cataclysmic, Thing to be in the kingdom of God in its fullness, and it's gonna—I mean, it's likened to a a wedding feast, and um, and I think it's kind of gonna be this overwhelming, awe-inspiring day where we suddenly realize that all we lived for was true. But also, there are those that will go. I love this fullness that I'm experiencing now, and I wish that I had taken more opportunities to just to do this, to bring this in to the world that I was living in. I wish that I hadn't been so short-sighted and just stayed where I was. I wish that I lived in this rather than the dying earth. But I think then for those who have been stepping into the spiritual life, giving things, we're going to be, it's just going to be this cataclysmic, wonderful experience we were singing worship songs oh how lovely is the king in all his glory i think it's gonna that dawning that realization of seeing it all in its fullness is going to be amazing and i was just writing down words of songs this morning what joy is found in communion with you in living a life that pleases your heart responding with praises to all that you are can you imagine? when we just kind of think, I'm so glad I lived a life that pleased God because look at this, now I get to see it all and I got to do the premiere, I got to see the premiere and I got to play Kingdom Kingdom when I was on the earth and now look at what we can celebrate in because it will just be, it will just be a fulfillment of everything that our hearts desire right now of everything that we were made to be and we will see him as he always is now and but it will be so clear to us as to who he is his full glory and wonder and majesty I'm going to read that passage again but this time from the message, which I think has a lovely way of putting it. Everything that goes into our life of pleasing God has been miraculously given to us by getting to know personally and intimately the one who invited us to God. The best invitation we ever received. We were also given absolutely terrific promises to pass on to you. And notice that's Peter saying, yeah, I had the promises, but they were for you. Your tickets to participation in the life of God after you turned your back on a world corrupted by lust. So don't lose a minute in building on what you've been given, complementing your basic faith with good character. Remember how we saw Peter's life change as he followed Jesus. Spiritual understanding Remember how important it is to know truth as we follow Jesus. Alert discipline. That's also called self-control, and I haven't touched on that because Rob Hebb illustrated it so beautifully in his sermon about how self-control underpins everything else that is a fruit of the Spirit. Passionate patience. Remember the endurance that makes us like Jesus. Reverent wonder. Go back to Jesus. Warm friendliness and generous love. Remember Paul and Peter and how they overcame that and their conflict and they continued to live in love for one another. Each dimension fits into and develops the others. With these qualities active and growing in your lives, no grass will grow under your feet. No day will pass without its reward as you mature in your experience of our master Jesus. Without these qualities, you can't see what's right before you. See that it hots all the time. People can't see what's right before them. Oblivious that your old sinful life has been wiped off the books. So, here's the invitation. So, friends, confirm God's invitation to you, his choice of you. Don't put it off. Do it now. Do this and you'll have your life on a firm footing, the streets paved and the way wide open into the eternal kingdom of our Master and Saviour, Jesus Christ. So, friends, confirm God's invitation to you, his choice of you. Press into that promise. These promises are for you, Go back to Jesus, see what he has offered you, take it, and then respond by moving forward, believing and understanding that what he says is true and living for his ultimate glory. I just know that the Holy Spirit is ministering to people right now. So I'm just going to invite him in to just come and do the work that he knows how to do that I don't. So Jesus, you are so welcome here. And Holy Spirit, we just bless what you are doing for people in this room right now. I bless the words that you're speaking to them and I bless what you're teaching people.